you have come on a very special Sunday. We are going on a field trip. (laughs) Okay, we're going on a field trip. Now, we know there's a lot of baseball games going on this morning around this area. And I thought it'd be a great idea if we could go to those baseball games and tell people about Jesus. Because, you see, I'm sure there are a lot of people there who don't know about Jesus. So we've rented like like three uh, school buses. They just pulled up. And what we're going to do is we're going to get you into different buses. And, and we've identified everyone who's here and what particular game you'll be going to. Now, baseball games are always so fun. Right? Look at that cute little kid there. You see the people behind him? Those are the parents watching the game. Those are the people, as you go out this morning, that you're looking for. And really, it's just a great opportunity. People are just sitting there watching the game, and all you have to do is just so go sit next to them. And, you know, there's two things that people love. First, they love to talk to strangers. <laughs> they just are waiting for a stranger to come up and talk with them. And secondly, they love to talk about spiritual things. So, I mean, you're going to show up and they're going to be excited. And you're going to have great conversations. You say, well, Dan, I, I don't really know how to talk about the gospel. I feel kind of uncomfortable. No problem. We've got this track that we're going to give you that shares everything that you need to know. And all you have to do is read that to them and then ask the big question at the end. Do you want to become a Christ follower? It's simple as that. And you say, well, Dan, you know, they're going to ask me questions. and I don't, I don't know the questions. No problem. At every site, we're going to have an elder or a pastor there, uh, and, and if you just raise your hand, and they'll come over, and they'll answer the questions that these people have. This is the best part. I know people are going to come to Jesus through this special effort, and so the yellow buses are going to come back at a certain time, and we want you to encourage these people and their families who've come to Christ. We're, we're all going to the Golden Corral for a great celebration of people becoming Christ followers. I am excited. How about you? How many? Hey, let's go. Anybody out there? Let's, I'll go with you, Dan. I'll go with you, Courtney. Did I see that hand? Any other hands here? Thank you very much, Ashley. I appreciate that support. But at the same time, that's not many people. <laughs> let's, let's go over it again. Uh, no. No, no. <laughs> If there's any guests here, they're thinking, man, this place is, this guy's crazy. I'm getting out as soon as I can. And even some of the people regularly attend here, he's finally lost it. Yes, finally lost it, all the pressure. <laughs> now, I share that with you is because that's what a lot of people think about evangelism, right? What do they think? Well, they think, what are they going to think of me? What are the people that go to the baseball field going to think of me? What is my coworker going to think of me? What is my neighbor going to think of me? Are they going to think less of me? Are they, are gonna, 
Now they think I'm going to step across a certain line. I don't talk about politics or religion, that type of thing. And then how do I explain the gospel? That's a big fear that Christ followers have, just articulating it. I mean, I've heard it so many times, but I'm not sure how to tell it myself. And what if they have questions? Now, the reason I went about that in that way is to show you the natural fears that we all have about telling people about the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to explain to you today how you don't have to go about it in this way. That, that the fears that you have can be overcome. You see, we've been talking about our discipleship pathway, our new chapter here at Springbrook for the last several years, and just talking about, okay, how can we really be intentional about taking people down the discipleship pathway, helping them to grow and mature. And in this next season of ministry, we're going to focus on one aspect of the discipleship pathway, and that is evangelism, inviting people to follow Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And and I call it lifestyle evangelism because when you do evangelism, in what we see is the Word of God. It's just a natural thing. You don't have to do anything special. You do it with the relationships you have, and it's really much, much less scary than you think it is. And my desire and the elders and our staff is that in a year and in two years that we have people sharing stories about how they reached out to someone and how they made a decision to follow Christ and how they're living for Jesus today. It's a, tough, it's a tough area for a lot of Christians, so just be praying with me that we would grow in this area and be focused. The first area is prayer. The first area is prayer out of lifestyle evangelism. So what we do is we have three aspects of this. It's prayer, care, and share. All right? So let's see. What should I do here? You guys will be the prayer. You got that okay? And uh, you guys will be the care. And then you guys will be the share. And you guys can just jump in anytime you want. Okay? You're free agents. All right. So we're going to say this together because we really want to understand this prayer, care, shares is really at the core of how we want to think about reaching people for Christ. So, I am going to go well, I'm going to go one, two, three, and then I want you to say the word again, prayer, care, and share. So, let me do it. One, two, three. Okay. A little louder. One, two, three. That's better. One, two, three. All right. Now we'll go to this section. Ready? One, two, three. Care. Oh, like that. Like that. One, two, three. Care. All right? And then this section, uh, you guys can join in. All right? Uh, share. One, two, three. Share. Okay, now I'm going to point to your section, and I want you to say it. Okay? So you got to watch my hand.
Oh, I love teaching. Uh, whoa. <laughs> you know, people have been fearing that I'm going to fall off this stage for 21 years now. Somebody brought it up last week. You're going to fall off. And I haven't fallen off yet, so that's what I'm basing it upon. Okay. Yeah, the first thing is prayer. That's where you start. We're going to be looking at Acts 3 and 4, and we're going to kind of switch it around in order to follow this prayer care share model. Of course, we're in the midst of our series on Acts that goes all the way through the summer. It could go all year. There's so many wonderful, rich passages. We're looking at Acts 4.19. And Peter and John had been brought before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. And this is what they said. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to judge, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So they told Peter and John to stop talking about Jesus. (laughs) Stop talking about Jesus. Now, what's the background of this story? Well, let me quickly set it up here. Uh, Acts 3, it talks about Peter and John walking through the city of Jerusalem, and they come across a lame man, a man who cannot walk, and he's collecting alms. That's, of course, how he lives. And what they say is, we can't give you alms, but we can do this for you. And they, <laughs> they spoke in the power of God, And this guy stood up. He was no longer paralyzed. And, ah, he was so overwrought with joy, it says he was leaping and praising God. Because that's quite a change, right? You haven't been able to walk all your life, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, you're walking and you're jumping, and uh, you are... (laughs) Oh, here it is. You're walking and you're jumping and you are just celebrating because you have this new freedom. And the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, who were just so tired of Jesus Christ, they thought they had killed him. But he is still represented here. And so they say, listen, you know, you can't talk about Jesus Christ. You just can't do that. So they were put in jail Then they had another conversation with the Sanhedrin, and they were then let go. And the Sanhedrin had made many threats against them. Okay, if you keep talking about Jesus, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. So what did they do when they were released that day, the day after? When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, why did they go and talk with their friends? Because their friends were part of the mission. And and I'll continue to say this to my dying breath, but Christianity is a team sport. It's a team effort. It should only be done within a team. And so many people today, of course, think, oh, I can do it on my own. No, you can't do it on your own. Because the disciples, uh, apostles at this point, I think they were really excited to tell their friends what had happened because of other uh, details. 
But friends, when we think about lifestyle evangelism, when we think about seeing people's lives change, it's not a solo effort. A lot of people think, okay, well, I've got to go tell people about Jesus. So it's all up to me. You know, I've got to develop the friendship and uh, I've got to pray for them. And No, 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 no. Our whole disciple-making family is focused on seeing people come to Jesus. So if you are, are seeking to reach a person in your life with the good news of Jesus, don't do it alone. And one of the most powerful ways is to get people praying for the person you are seeking to reach. Because what does that do? Well, number one, it feeds more power into this life-changing relationship. And at the same time, it gets them involved. And so what do they do? They, they start asking, hey, what about Joe at your work? What's happening with that? Or how about Sam and your neighborhood or, or Julie? And, and therefore, people ask about it. And the more you talk about something, the more important it becomes in your mind. The more you pray about it, the more it comes up in your daily thinking because the Spirit is working through that. But that is so important to understand. When we're talking about evangelism, we're all together. And if you're trying to reach someone in your life, have you told anybody about it? Have you asked another person to pray for that person? And if you haven't, this is a wonderful next step for you. I mean, maybe it's somebody in your family. Have you actually asked a friend or several friends, I'm praying for my mom. (laughs) It doesn't seem like she's going to make the decision. But the Holy Spirit does miracles, right? So you you get them praying and you start talking. And sometimes people get discouraged when they're praying for somebody that they want to come into the family of Jesus Christ. And we need to encourage one another and tell stories of how we prayed for so long for someone. And they finally made that decision. So they get together. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said... Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, we don't have time to talk about the whole prayer, but this really is a key part of it. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign. You are in control over everything. You're in control over the Sanhedrin. You're in control over us. You're in control over the people that we want to tell Jesus about. And therefore, we're going to ask you, you know, to bless our efforts. We want to see people come to Jesus. We want to grow. We want to flourish. And Lord, you can make it happen because you are in control. Many times we look at life and we forget that God is in control. We forget, oh, I've got a supernatural father and all, you know, the statistics on this particular illness or Uh, what I've seen in this particular industry, those are important things to consider. But the point is, God can do anything. And I tell you, most of us, including myself, need to be reminded of that. Because we get so lost in what the world tells us, and some very good advice, 
but we take out the God factor, right? No, God really can't, you know, but it, it is what it is, right? <laughs> it, it, no, it's not what it is. God determines what is. And that's how you start, need to start praying, is believing that he can do miracles. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So after the, the apostles brief their friends here, they go to prayer. And what do they specifically ask for? They ask that people would be healed. They ask that they would see signs and wonders, uh, evidences of God's power. But it's interesting Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all. Say it again. Boldness. Boldness. What's boldness mean? Boldness means courage. Boldness means confidence. Boldness means fearlessness. Now, they prayed for that. And the reason that they prayed for that is they didn't have that kind of boldness, right? And, and this is, God really uh, uh, taught me something new as I was studying this. And I'm saying, okay, they're praying for boldness. What does that mean? It means that we can, we have many natural fears when it comes to telling people about Jesus. So what do we need? We need boldness. We need boldness to step up and, and create a relationship with somebody. We're not that type of person. We need boldness to think of creative ways to, to love them and, and boldness to spend our time in a different way by hanging out with them and boldness especially in sharing the good news and ah. Uh, they, they, we need boldness. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Say it louder. Boldness. Yes, that's what God gave them because they prayed for it, right? you got to pray for boldness. Wouldn't that be cool if every time you prayed, a little bit of an earthquake, you know, <laughs> starts shaking, you know, your body starts shaking like that, you know, like, wow, hey, this is great. And you see, <laughs> we don't need a literal shaking, but God needs to shake up this church. God needs to get a control of our family. And he needs to shake us each individually and saying, hey, people are dying and going to hell. You need to tell people this has to be a priority in your life. This is like job number one. Would you pray with me that God would just Shake up our church. Shake us up individually. 
and change the way that we approach life. I find this very interesting, Ephesians 6, 19. And also for me, it's Paul speaking, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, what? Boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. (laughs) I've studied a lot of Paul's letters, and, and I would think the last thing he needs prayer for is boldness, right? I mean, he's a pretty bold guy as we read about him in Acts and other, you know, letters to the churches where he calls it as it is. I mean, why in the world would Paul need to pray for boldness? That's ridiculous. Paul experienced some fear sometimes in evangelism. You remember, I mean, this just wasn't (laughs) actual conversations. He was in front of uh, justices, rulers. I mean, at any time, they could have taken his life. And Paul was not perfect. And so he said, Lord, I need to, to speak with boldness when I'm telling people about you. And he prayed for boldness. And he said, hey, team, would you pray for me with boldness? And you see, I have the gift of evangelism as many others. And when you have the gift of evangelism, uh, you know, it's much easier just because that's how God has gifted you. But still there are times when I need boldness and I hold back, not quite sure where the person is. And I'm not sure if I, I should go to the next level. Now, sometimes I shouldn't. But sometimes there's that fear, like, oh, you know, is this going to totally turn them off or whatever it might be. So here's really good news. We see this throughout the New Testament, prayer for boldness, uh, Paul speaking boldly, courageously, with confidence, without fear. So the way that we should pray for other people, usually we think, okay, you know, I've got my friend Jim, and I'm, I'm trying to love him, and I just want to become a Christ follower. So we pray for Jim, oh, Jim, open, you know, uh, God open his heart and give me wisdom. And, but, you know, we never, well, I, I never pray for boldness. And I was convicted because you've got to pray for boldness. Really, you should pray for boldness every time you talk about praying for somebody that's lost. Because you need boldness. But you never know when you're going to need it. If you have the gift of evangelism, you can have a great conversation. And there never was a point in the relationship that you were building where you needed boldness. But you're going to need boldness. Paul needed boldness. Because we all can be trapped up in our fear and all the doubts that we have. So I want to encourage you, and I'm going to start doing it. Lord, give me 
boldness. Give me boldness. And I don't know when the time is going to come, but there's going to be some conversation with somebody. And I, I'm going to start to feel uneasy. And I'm going to start to feel like, well, I, I, I don't want to go there. And, and boom, if I prayed for boldness, what's going to kick in? Boldness. If I haven't prayed for boldness, what's not going to kick in? Boldness. Right? You got that? All right. Very good. All right. Yeah. Now, I love this, Philippians 1.14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Think about that. Read that yourself. What was happening? Because Paul was living in prison, he was suffering for the gospel, they became more confident. And that's why it's so important that we are constantly sharing stories with one another. Because when you tell me about Something that happened in your life or your small group, man, it's like, wow, God's doing that here? And that's going to encourage me to be what? To be bold, okay? So so the whole idea is that we grow together to become more and more bold. Think about boldness, I think of Rosa Parks, first lady of the Civil Rights Movement, 1955, uh, seamstress, long day, Got on a bus in Alabama, and she decided to sit like in the front row of the colored section of the bus. Then, of course, there was the white section. And more people came on, and, and the white people couldn't fit in their section anymore. And so the bus driver said, all right, all the coloreds have to move back further to open up seats for the white people. And Rosa said, no, I am not moving. I wasn't like she planned to do that that day, but, but she had such a heart, such a conviction to say no. No, I'm not going to do that. And you knew that take a, took a lot of boldness. Who knows? She could have been thrown in jail. Many, many difficulties could have come in her life. But she had boldness, right? So let's talk about the investment of praying. Pray for a passion to reach the lost. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, this is all good and I agree with it, but I don't don't have that passion. Or maybe you say, "I, I really don't care. Somebody else can do that. Is that your heart today? I really don't care. Remember um, Melania Trump with a coat? She's going down to see the refugees. What did it say in the back of her coat? I really don't care, do you? And I have no idea why she did that. But friends, that sends a message. Do you really care? And I think if a lot of us were really honest, we don't care enough. 
we just don't care enough. And so we need to start praying, Lord, convict me. Help me to feel, help me to know that this is my role to love people to Jesus. Pray that you would meet new people to reach. Problems when you become a Christ follower, most of your friends <laughs> turn into Christ followers or uh, you gravitate away from your unsafe friends. And so many Christ followers don't have a relationship with a person who doesn't know the Lord. And that's what you might need to pray for and pray for boldness. Well, you guys ready again to help me out here? All right, all right. All right. See, you don't have the confidence yet, right? You see, when you, you hear other people saying it, you say, yeah, yeah, I can be bold in the way I say this because they're bold. But first, it's like, pray, 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 pray. All right, let's hit it again. A little more energy. Be bold. I want you to be bold. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, let's talk about care. Now, this is the beginning of the story uh, with the lame person. Now, Peter and John were going after the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth, couldn't walk, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Again, all his life, he'd been lame, and they just brought him to the temple, and that's where poor people would go uh, to, again, have people be generous and helping for their needs. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Yeah, makes sense. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixated his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Look at us. I uh, live off of Miller Road in the old part of Lake in the Hills, so all the bike races and you know the running races go by my house. And so I got to Miller Road uh, to take a left there, and I knew the guy who was doing traffic. And he said, you can go straight or take a left. And I was kind of smiling at him. <laughs> Straight or left? And I'm thinking, what's the deal with this guy? I know him. He knows me. Is he snubbing me? That's it. He, he, he doesn't like me for some reason. I made him mad. Because why wouldn't he say, hey, Dan, good to see you. Well, I went off to church not thinking about it. And later I got a text from him and said, I'm sorry. I was in traffic mode. <laughs> right? He was in traffic mode and all. He couldn't even see my face. It was just some other person. You idiot, you go this way or that way. He didn't say that, but I know that's what he was thinking. Because I stopped and I was looking at him. <laughs> Friends, most of our life is in traffic mode. The traffic of life. And we have a default setting in how to deal with all this traffic in our lives. So 
This lame man, he was just in traffic mode, you know, had to collect some alms here. And Peter directed his gaze at him and as to John and said, look at us. Get out of traffic mode. Connect with us. Listen to us. Give us your full attention. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. When's the last time you heard from God? When's the last time God spoke to you in a fresh way? Where, where you had your time with God and it was like, oh, that's just what I needed. But friends, in order to do that, we, we need to step out of traffic mode. And that is very hard to do. Because our minds are going you know, 100 miles an hour. Uh, but we need to step out of traffic mode. So, so when you're having your quiet time, you just want, I want to take five minutes. Sometimes people will write all their concerns out on a piece of paper and set it aside and, and so they can focus. But just five minutes to slow down so you can hear God. I know I've been through so many times, my tag time, time alone with God, and I've been in traffic mode. And at the end of it, I, what did I read? <laughs> it's like, well, I got that done. <laughs> That's not the point, right? That's hard, and, and you really have to develop the skill. But that's what happened here. And he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. The world thinks silver and gold is what they need to be happy. This past week, a Rolling Stone uh, article came out that was very, very, very long. And this guy spent 72 hours with Johnny Depp. Now, I don't know how you feel about Johnny Depp, but he, he's really talented. At least we, we can agree on that, maybe. Right. And it was so sad because he has crashed as a person. He's at a very low point. His mother died. He just got a divorce two years from Amber Heard. And it's been said that he made $625 million on the films that he's made, and he's $40,000 in debt. It's been said that he has a compulsive spending problem where he will spend $2 million a month. And when they reported that he drank $30,000 worth of wine every month, he said, no, you're wrong. It's higher. I poured myself a vodka in the morning and started writing until the tears filled my eyes. And I couldn't see the page anymore, he recalls. I kept trying to figure out what I'd done to deserve this I, I tried being kind to everyone, helping everyone, being truthful to everyone. The truth is more important to me, and all this is still happening. I've studied Johnny Depp or read about him, and he certainly is not a Christ follower. And that's what he needs, right? I mean, he had everything, everything, and... 
He kept looking for satisfaction. And now he's hit the bottom. And Let's pray for Johnny Depp. That he would become a Christ follower somehow, some way. It seems an impossibility if you know what he thinks and what he believes, but God specializes in impossibilities. Now, we all kind of go with that illustration and go, wow, $2 million a month, $40 million in debt. But friends, that story can be applied to so many families in this area. So many people, they just want to have fun. They're seeking after happiness. They're looking for all the comforts they can get. They want big entertainment and big fun. Now, they might be in debt. They might not be. But the point is, they are living purposeless, purposeless lives. <laughs> we have the good news. And we are commanded by God to tell it. Prayer, care, share. And as you go out into this summer, I just want to encourage you. Uh, again, accountability is the best thing. Team up with somebody and say, okay, we're going to work on this together and we'll pray together. and Do it as a family. That's even better. Right? And we're just going to love people in our neighborhood or wherever God leads us, and we're going to pray for them on a daily basis, and we're going to see what God does. And I would say probably if we all did that, there might be a few people who come to Christ. But you see, it takes a long time. And that's why it's not just for one year or two years that we talk about the importance of this, but we talk about it all the time. If you were suffering, if you had Johnny Depp's problems, wouldn't you want somebody to at least tell you what the truth is? And you can do it. And you're saying, no, Dan, I can't do it. I understand how you feel. I don't, you know, I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As we walk forward together, the goal the goal is that we all become more bold. <laughs> the goal is that we, we pray and think more about lost people. Amen? Amen. We need to rethink evangelism. And that's what we're going to do. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, There are lost people all around us. And I admit I, I just fall into my normal traffic mode and I don't see them sometimes and I'm not as bold as I should be. Thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven all of those sins. But I pray that you would put within me a new passion a new drive, a new focus, greater than it's ever been before in my life, to do the work of an evangelist, to pray and care 
and share. In Christ's name, amen.